Well, now we turn to God's words in in the pages of Scripture. Today we're going to have another reading from the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Today I invite you to listen for God's voice as our Court Street Church Hospitality Director, Richard Neff, shares with us this passage from the book of Lamentations, chapter 2. Good morning. He has broken down his booth like a garden. He has destroyed his tabernacle. The Lord has abolished in Zion festival and Sabbath, and in his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest. The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. A clamor was raised in the house of the Lord as on a day of festival. The Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of daughter Zion. He stretched the line. He did not withhold his hand from destroying. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a few years ago, I heard the most fascinating radio program. I was listening to one of my favorite radio shows. I was listening to a show called Radio Lab. Now, Radio Lab is a radio show and a podcast that explores questions at the cutting edge of scientific knowledge. It's a show that talks about the mysteries of the universe and human, human existence. And I love to listen to Radio Lab. I love to listen to Radio Lab because I think that science is fascinating. I believe that scientists are doing the Lord's work. I believe that the more we learn about God's creation, the better we know and understand the ways and the nature of God. I almost always when I'm listening to Radiolab, there comes a moment when I reach for a pencil and something to write on because I think I really could use that in a sermon sometime. That is such an an interesting piece of information. It's a, a fascinating show. It's almost always memorable, but this particular episode has stuck with me for years and years. I keep coming back to it. I think of it often because in this particular episode of the, the radio show, Radiolab, The hosts, Jad Abumrad and Robert Krolwich, were talking about a story, a mystery that comes out of the very pages of Scripture. Well, Jad Abumrad and Robert Krolwich, the hosts of Radiolab, were talking one day about a story from the Hebrew Scriptures, the story of the Battle of Jericho. Now, maybe you remember this story from the Old Testament. The story goes that God led the Israelites out of slavery in the land of Egypt. And then the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And for all of those 40 years, God fed them and God led them. And then finally, after 40 years of wandering, God spoke to the leader of the Israelites. God spoke to a man named Joshua. And God said, okay, now it's time for my people to enter into the promised land. And so Joshua led the Israelites to the very edge of the promised land. Joshua led the Israelites to the the River Jordan, which marks the border of the Promised Land. And just across the river was the ancient city of Jericho. In order to enter into the Promised Land, the Israelites were going to have to conquer the city of Jericho. And of course, that posed a problem because the city of Jericho was surrounded by a massive wall built of mud and bricks. How can we ever defeat a city? that is so strongly fortified and heavily defended, Joshua asked God. And God said, oh, that's easy. Here's what I want you to do. Every day for six days, have the Israelites march in a circle around the walls of the city. And then God said, on the seventh day, 
have seven priests blow on seven trumpets and watch what happens. And so that's what the Israelites did. For six days, the people marched in a big circle around the walls of the city. And then on the seventh day, seven priests blew a mighty blast on seven trumpets. And all of the Israelites shouted together and they made a great noise. And at the sound of the trumpets and at the sound of all of those people's voices, the walls of the city of Jericho came a tumbling down. And as they were talking about this story, the host of the radio show, the host of Radio Lab, started wondering, is it possible, putting aside miracles and putting aside the power and intervention of God, is it possible to destroy the walls of a city using only the power of sound, using only the power of, of trumpets? Is it possible to demolish the walls of a city like Jericho? And that got them off exploring and asking questions and interviewing scientists. They interviewed a scientist, a physicist, and they asked him, in, in theory, is it possible to destroy a wall using only the power of sound? And, and the physicist, he said, well, yeah, in theory, it's possible. Now, sound is a, a vibration of the air, and if you vibrate the air fast enough and hard enough, then you could also make the wall begin to vibrate. And if the wall vibrates with a, enough intensity, then the wall itself could fall down and, and, and break into pieces. And so they said, okay, well, how much sound would we need in order to destroy the walls of a, a city like Jericho? And so he did some calculation and he said, well, in order to destroy a wall like the one that surrounded the city of Jericho, I calculate that you would need a sound that was 177 decibels loud. Yeah, all right, said the, the hosts of the radio show, now we're cooking. And then they went to a, a synagogue. And they found a rabbi and they, they asked the rabbi if he would blow a trumpet for them. And so he did. He blew on a, a shofar. Now a shofar is, a, is a, the kind of horn, the kind of trumpet that the Israelites would have used thousands of years ago. It's a horn made out of an animal's horn. I've got a shofar here. Now this, uh, this particular shofar is made out of the, the horn of, of an antelope or, or some sort of an African deer. This is a little bit like the, the trumpets that those priests would have been blowing on in the story of the Battle of Jericho. And the, the hosts of Radiolab asked the priest if he would blow on the shofar for them. And, and they were going to record the noise and measure how much noise one shofar made. And so, and so he blew on the, the trumpet. It, it sounds a little something like this. Now you notice that I did a little bit of editing there because as it turns out, it's really hard to make noise on a shofar. It's not easy to blow one of those things. But the, the rabbi did and the, the hosts of the Radiolab program, they recorded the noise and they measured how loud it was and they discovered that the sound of one trumpet blast on one shofar measures 96 decibels loud. And at this point you might be thinking, all right, well, we're, we're more than halfway there. We need 177 decibels of noise and we've already got 96. We'll just add another trumpet or two and, and then those walls are going to come tumbling right on down to the ground. But as it turns out, it's not, it's not quite as easy as that. As it turns out, as the hosts of the Radiolab show discovered, that's, that's not how sound works. They discovered that scientists have got a rule of thumb for, for how you increase sound. What the rule of thumb is, is that every time you want to add three decibels in loudness, you have to double the amount of power you put into making the sound. 
And so what that means is that if, if one, one rabbi blowing on one shofar gives you 96 decibels of sound, then two rabbis blowing on two shofars will give you 99 decibels. And if you want to go up to 102 decibels, then you've got to double the number of, of rabbis blowing on shofars again to four. And if you want to go to 105 decibels, you've got to double the number of trumpets again to eight and then 16 and then 32 and on and on and on. And if you keep going all the way up to 177 decibels, how many, how many trumpets do you think you'd need? Is anybody able to do that math in your head? Have you got a guess as to how many trumpets we're talking about? It turns out that in order to make 177 decibels in noise, you need 407,382 trumpets. Which of course brings up a whole other set of problems and, and complications. One complication is that the Bible tells us that at this time there were only 40,000 soldiers in the entire Israelite army. Even if they had 400,000 trumpets, they didn't have enough people to, to blow on all of those trumpets. Another complication is that if you wanted to, to make a noise that loud, loud enough to knock down the wall, you'd have to make it really close to the wall. And so all of those 400,000 trumpet players would need to pack up really tight close to the wall in, in tightly packed rows. And, and the problem with that is that the sound coming from the back rows would be so intense that the heads of the people in the front rows would literally explode. And so the hosts of the radio show concluded that, that short of a miracle, without an intervention, without the power of God, it's just not possible to knock down a wall using only the power of, of sound, using only the power of trumpets and human voices. Now maybe you can see why, why I thought this radio program was so memorable. You know, I thought this was a really memorable and interesting radio show for a couple reasons. On the one hand, I thought this is a really interesting radio show because it shows how much fun we can have when we ask really smart people really interesting questions. And on the other hand, I thought this is a show that illustrates exactly how easy it is for us to miss the point when we ask the Bible the wrong sorts of questions. Now, we believe and our faith teaches us that the Bible is not a science textbook. Now, we believe and our faith teaches us that the Bible is a book about God. And the Bible is a book about humanity. And the Bible is a book about how we as humans experience God's presence and God's power. And we believe that if we come to the Bible asking scientific questions there's a good chance that we're going to be so distracted by all of those exploding trumpet players that we're going to miss what the Bible is trying to tell us about God. Now, you don't need to be a scientist to understand the deeper meaning, the message about God that this story is trying to tell us. You don't need to be a scientist to know that, that the message, the lesson from the story of the Battle of Jericho is that God is able to overcome impossible odds in overwhelmingly difficult situations. You know, the message of, of the battle of Jericho is that God is able to rescue us even when it seems like all is lost, even when it seems like there is no hope for victory at all. God, God is able to make the victory happen. And even more than that, this story of the battle of Jericho is about how we experience God's presence and God's power in the sound of trumpets and other instruments. 
And this story is about how we, as God's people, experience God's power through the sounds that God's people make when they gather together, the sounds of many voices worshiping God together. I miss the sounds that we make when we gather together. Now, one of the, one of the things that I learned about Court Street, one of the first things I learned about Court Street United Methodist Church when I came to Flint five years ago is that Court Street is a musical church. In our church family, in this congregation, we have more musicians than you can shake a stick at. And we've got trumpet players and horn players and flute players. We've got, we've got vocalists and we've got piano players and we've got violin players and guitar players. We've got choir directors and band directors. We've got, of course, we've got this magnificent organ that makes the windows rattle and the rafters shake and worship on Sunday morning. Court Street, Court Street Church is filled, filled with musicians. And our worship is filled with music. On Sundays, when we gather together, we have a chancel choir and a friend's choir and a handbell choir. We've got children's choirs. We've got a harpsichord and we've got a, a grand piano. We have all sorts of music every time we gather in this place for worship. And I miss, I miss the sounds that we make when we gather together in this place. Now, those musical moments in worship, those are the moments when I, I as a preacher, get to worship. You know, the, the sermons are okay, I guess, but, but the thing is, I almost always know exactly what the preacher is going to say before the sermon even begins. And those musical moments, that's when God surprises me. Those are the moments when God moves me. Those are the moments when I experience God's presence in a, in a powerful and transformative way. And I miss those moments. I miss the sounds that we make when we're together. I miss... I miss that feeling that I get when I look around this place as we're singing a hymn and as the, the organ is, is rattling the windows because Alan Weimer has pulled out all of the stops and I look around and I see people singing with their eyes closed. I see people swaying in the pews. I see people singing with tears rolling down their cheeks. I miss, I miss the sounds that we make when we gather together in worship. Now, one of the hardest moments of the last six months came early on in the pandemic when we started learning and we started reading articles in which scientists told us that one of the most dangerous things we could do right now is to get together and sing. And we started reading early on in the pandemic articles by, by scientists who said that, that one of the best ways to, to transmit the, the coronavirus is to, to sing together especially if you're singing with a group of other people indoors in an enclosed space. Even, even if we're wearing masks, even if we're distant from each other, it seems that, that singing together is one of the most dangerous things we could be doing right now. And as we learned, as we learned how dangerous singing together in a, a group of people is, I started asking people months ago, I asked many court streeters a hypothetical question. I asked a lot of court streeters, would you rather be in person for worship without singing? Or would you rather worship from home with singing? And I was a little bit surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was a little bit surprised at how many people kept giving me the exact same answer over and over again. Almost all of the court streeters I talked to said, I would rather worship at home or in any place where I can have hymns and singing 
than be at Court Street, even in this place where we experience God's presence so deeply and powerfully, even surrounded by our church family, without singing, without hymns. People kept saying, without singing, without hymns, worship just wouldn't be the same. I am so grateful for the church musicians who have made it possible for us to have hymns and special music and our recorded worship, our online worship that we've had the last six months. And even so, I so miss the sounds that we make when we gather together in this place. Now, each, each week in this sermon series, we're going to hear a passage from the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Now, in the Old Testament, there is this, this strange little book made up of five poems. And tradition tells us that those five poems were written by the prophet Jeremiah in a moment of national disaster and tragedy. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, wrote these poems in a moment when the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed by the mighty and seemingly invincible Babylonian army. The Babylonians destroyed the walls of the city, the homes in the city, the temple in the center of the city, the place that was God's home among God's people on earth was, was burnt to the ground and reduced to rubble by the Babylonians. And then the Babylonians carried away many of the people of Jerusalem as captives. And the story goes that Jeremiah was left behind. And as he wandered that ruined city, he was moved to sadness. And he took a pen and he took some paper and he started writing, writing his grief, naming, uh, making a catalog of all of the things that had been lost and destroyed. And as Jeremiah is wandering the city, there's a, a moment when he comes to the center of the city, the heart of the city, and he looks at the ruin that used to be the temple. God's place among God's people. And as he looks at the rubble that used to be the temple, Jeremiah writes these words. He writes, God's temple has been flattened like a cheap tent in a strong wind. I'm paraphrasing a little, but only just a little. That's exactly the image that, that Jeremiah is going for. God's temple has been flattened like a cheap tent in a strong wind. There won't be any more joyful gatherings in this place. The priests aren't going to blow the trumpet to call God's people to worship on the Lord's day. The sound of battle filled this place. The sound of destruction filled this place. And then there was only silence. And now there won't be singing again for a long, long time. And Jeremiah, there in the rubble, names his grief. He describes the things that they have lost. He describes the sadness that he's feeling because Jeremiah understands that often in moments of disaster and tragedy, the first step towards healing is feeling that sadness, experiencing that grief. In that moment when we allow ourselves to feel those natural human emotions, we discover that they cannot destroy us, they will not overwhelm us, and God is with us in that moment, in those emotions. And so for the, the weeks of this sermon series, we're going to do exactly what Jeremiah did. Each week we're going to, to name the things that we have lost in the six months. We're gonna describe the sadness that we're feeling. Each week we're gonna hear a poem written in the style of the prophet Jeremiah by a member of our Court Street Church family. And today as we feel the pain and express our sadness at all of the music that has been lost over the last six months 
all of the choir rehearsals that didn't happen, all of the handbells that haven't been rung, all of the concerts and festivals that have been canceled. As we express our sadness over the loss of all of that music over the last six months, we've invited our very own chancel choir director, David Lindsay, to write a poem for this week. And David, as a choir director and as a music teacher and as someone who's a, a member of many musical groups and organizations in the community, has been powerfully affected by the pandemic of the last six months. And as David talks about the sadness that he's been feeling, as he expresses his grief, I hope that you'll allow his sadness to touch your heart. Take a moment to grieve for all of the hymns that we haven't sung together over the last six months. Take a moment to, to grieve and to feel the loss of all of the music that we should have shared in this place. Take a moment to walk through the valley of shadows so in that place you might meet God and discover that even in that place, even in the darkest valley, God is our shepherd and we're never alone. As I sit on the bench, Late in the day, I think about what we have lost. Breathing the park air an hour before sunset, I think of my friends, old and new. Cadences of memory march through my mind, the faces of friends who have given up. Do these people in the park even understand what is happening? Everywhere I look, Life seems normal. Finding laughter in the park makes me somehow sadder still. Gifts and goodness and even gladness come with the sting of loss these days. Having a walk brings me back to life. Ideas about new performances flood my brain. Joking around in rehearsal was what life looked like back in March. Keeping focused and energized is hard in October. Lyrics and melodies I once knew by heart have fallen right out of my mind. Muttering to myself is all I can muster some days. Now the sun really is setting. Our time is fleeting, no longer 4-4. We're marching in cut time now. Peace doesn't always seem as peaceful these days, and quiet is much too quiet. Rest is what musicians call the moment before we sing. So I'm holding on to the idea that all of this is just one long rest. Thursdays are the hardest night. Used to be that Thursdays were for trying new songs, and reminders to watch the conductor. Voices come together when we watch the conductor. Watch the conductor. Eyes up, please. Yes, you in the back row. Get your nose out of the music. Xylophones in grief are too heavy to carry. And my studio is filled with both. Yearning for a cup of coffee, a soft-shelled taco, and a song sung by a choir, any choir. The zenith of the moon is coming 
hanging in the sky like a baton in that moment before the music. <laughs>